I was out there on a 800 pound bike with eight hangers, hanging it out. I don't know if there's a cooler feeling in the world than that, especially at a place like Costa Mesa where it would be so consistent. You'd be so sideways on a motorcycle that should never be treated that way. So great. I, I think back now, I think you can tell I get excited about it and like it just puts a huge smile on my face. Episode 45, Tank Slapping Podcast. We are back in the booth. Another show for you guys. Long weekend for me, Sammy. How was your weekend, brother? Uh, not as uh, crazy as yours. I mean, I know you had a pretty uh, wild week even leading up to the weekend. Big race. Can't wait to hear a, a lot about it. Uh, followed it on social media, just like everyone that couldn't make it. I couldn't make it. I'm bummed out about that, but I did follow along. And uh Wow, what an event it was. I, I can't believe Jared won it on a twin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The winter throwdown lived up to its expectations. It was insane. They just kept coming through the gate. I'm like, oh, shit. What do I yeah. do? How, how many riders? Like, just shy of 400, right? <laughs> yeah, 397 entries, dude. 15 classes. So it was a big job. So we'll talk about it after we bring on our guest for today, who is Roland Sands custom bike bike builder series promoter super hooligan series does super cool events you know i know he was heavily involved in the travis pastrana jump a couple years back in las vegas the tribute to evil knievel you know he's a ama 250 gp champion i think that was a class he won just the guy's done so much cool shit and uh he's a buddy of mine i'm, I'm excited to have him on sammy it'll be it'll be a good one yeah, you know, I'm really excited uh, to talk to Roland. I, I, you know, I don't know him personally at all, so uh, obviously I know his name and and I know his, uh, you know, his his stats, you know. But he's kind of like three guys all wrapped up into one. I mean, he's a motorcycle racer, a past champion. You know, he seems like a super cool, chill, fun guy to hang out with. That's at uh, all the major uh, motorcycling events around the country, and then he's kind of like this pioneer with uh custom builds and the whole super hooligan deal so i mean interesting character can't wait to talk to him before we get too far into it i want to make sure as always we shout out our sponsors and make this show happen bell power sports check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products the quality and safety is unmatched if you start tank slapping you want to be protected by bell also to our sponsor moto america if you can, check out the Moto America series. Go on MotoAmerica.com. Get tickets to the nearest race near you. And, you know, also, as always, we push their social media channels at Moto America. They do a phenomenal job. Buy the Moto America Live Plus package to catch the races online if you can't be there in person. We're big fans of the series, and we uh, really appreciate them supporting our podcast. Big, big shout-out, Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience uh, i want to thank jerry for stepping on board this past weekend and sponsoring the randy texter memorial dash for cash for the pro riders that means a lot to me to come on and support my dad's dash for cash at my own race so along with what he does for the podcast and my event and racers all over the country amateurs and pro that guy keeps the sport going and then as well as climb sports climb is driven to produce the most advanced motorcycle apparel on the planet Check them out at climb.com. That's K-L-I-M. They have snow riding gear, jackets, gloves, off-road 
street riding apparel, etc. And also give them a follow on social media at Climb Motorcycle. That's Climb with a K. Yeah, Sammy, like I said, it, it was a crazy weekend. I don't know if anything else really... I saw they kind of finalized the red line rule book with the AFT. Nothing crazy on there that is different from what we saw a couple months ago. But I saw they did finalize that. And they, and we got to get we have to they they said we're due for our licenses by January 15th to reserve our numbers, which I thought was kind of funny cuz we don't have a schedule yet to to know what licenses we're getting. So but. many people are like bugging on that schedule and I get it for I mean, a million different reasons. I, I, I mean, uh, man, I, I, I hate to, you know, call out AFT on the schedule thing, but man, so many other people, I understand it's tough times, but so many other racing organizations were able to come out with a schedule. And I know, you know, AFT, they have their own set of hoops to jump through. They're a little bit different, but man, come on guys, pull out that schedule. We got a lot at of least the first waiting. round, at least the yeah. first round. So we know what, like, are we racing in February? Is it March? Like it always is. Um, is it you know, they want to, I don't think it's a TT, but I, um, yeah, they want us, want us to get our schedule, like to reserve our numbers. It's due in three days. I called to get a baseline test today. You know, medical stuff anywhere is super busy with COVID. I can't get in to get my baseline until next Friday. So any of you bastards listening that want my number 65, don't even think about it. <laughs> I will come to your house. Uh, what would you do, Corey, if someone snagged 65? I don't know. I don't know. I, voice a complaint. Oh, I'd be bummed. Man. I don't even have a backup. Like, I don't even know. 25? I guess it's my dad's other number. I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, don't take my number, everybody. My baseline test is next Friday. And then I'm getting my number. So um, anyway, so, yeah, we'll talk about the throwdown here in a little bit. But let's not wait any longer. Let's give the man Roland Sands a call and chat with him about so much shit, man. It's going to be a, a wild interview. Yeah. Carter, give, give Roland a call. Yes, sir. Hello? Yo, Roland. Corey Texter, Sammy Sabedra, Tank Slapping Podcast. How you doing, man? Pretty good. What's happening? Ah, uh, just just giving you a ring, dude. We've been wanting to have you on for a while. What uh, what's going on in your world, man? I know you got a lot of stuff going on all the time, but what what's what's been keeping you busy? Dude, just been on the grind, man. Um, you know, like trying to figure out what this year looks like. Um, in a lot of different ways, from business perspective, events, racing you know, all the shit that we do and how it plays out into 2021 because ain't nothing the same as it used to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's so much to talk to you about, man. There's so many facets of your life. I mean, I kind of, you know, me and Corey were talking, we kind of want to hit on all of it. I mean, it's you, we're talking to a past AMA 250 GP champ, which is pretty cool in itself. Then we're talking to this, like, badass custom motorcycle builder we're talking to somebody that's like you know leading the way in the aftermarket you know performance accessory uh world um you know you have clothing line man you got a super hooligan series i mean there's so much to you how do you juggle everything that you know encompasses your life man it's got to be a more than a full-time job just just trying to keep up with you Man, when you talk about it like that, it starts to give me anxiety. 
<laughs> like fuck that's a lot of pressure man um yeah you're no, the guy I, doing it yeah. man i'm just trying to figure out how you do it <laughs> so i don't know sometimes dude i you know i have like a pretty big appetite for wanting to do cool shit and that's just always been something that it's like I wake up in the morning, I think about what we can do, you know, what we can do next. You know, what's the next cool project? And um, if I if I have someone who is with me that can help make it happen, um, those are the things that, that happen. So, you know, I got a pretty talented crew, um, people to take care of apparel and, you know, the event space and the racing and things like that. So really, really lean on my crew to help make a lot of that stuff happen. And a lot of times they're my ideas and other times they're my crew's ideas, you know, and we put our heads together and try and figure out whether we can make it happen and do a good job. And if the answer is yes, we do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you're only as good as the the crew you have around you. I kind of, I'm with you, man. It definitely takes, when you started reading off all that stuff, it's like, man, he's got to have a crew because I have a crew with the little things that I do that, that helped me. So yeah, hats off to you and your crew for just crushing everything you guys do. But wanted to talk to you a little bit about, um, kind of like your racing career. Cause I, a lot of people don't know a ton about it. You know, I mean, they know you as Roland Sands, the, yeah. the custom bike guy and the super hooligans, but you know, you started off racing a little bit later than most, I think it was maybe in your, you were in your teens. How did that kind of come, come around and what exactly was your, you know, first taste of racing like? Um, I grew up around racing. Like I was around drag racing and road racing and flat track from, from the time I was really a little kid, but I didn't do any of it myself. My dad was pretty busy guy, like at work, you know, building company at the time. Um, so it wasn't until, let's see, when I was 16, I actually raced jet skis, um, for a very short amount of time. Yeah. Like I, I just, that was like, and I was a total rookie. Um, I did race BMX a little bit when I was like 12, 13, but it was like, you know, my dad was always so busy at work. It was, it would, it was just difficult to get him to be able to take me places. So when I could finally drive, um, you know, that that's when I started thinking about racing and my dad was like, Oh, maybe you can, you know, you, if you're serious and you want to get motivated, you know, um, you can go ride. So, I took Keith Code school and figured out that I was fairly quick on a sport bike, on a road race bike, and started racing 250 GP bikes. You know, build my own bike, going to the racetrack, going out to Big Willow, and racing out there, racing the WSMCA. Yeah, you kind of you kind of jumped in the deep end, man. I mean, for somebody that I mean, I know you were around racing, but somebody that didn't like grow up, you know you know, coming through the ranks from a peewee rider all the way up to just to get dumped in the 250 GP class. Uh, what a class that was. I always thought that was a really cool class because, you know, you guys were racing uh, purpose-built motorcycles as opposed to, like, you know, the super bikes and whatnot. And, uh, I mean, did you ever have a desire to uh, go super bike racing or did that just not pan out for you or that just wasn't your bag? Um. No, I did. I mean, I raced 600 Super Sport. You know, I, I, I got into that, but, like, at the time, I was racing 600 Super Sport and 250 Grand Prix bikes. And you know how that is, dude, just riding two completely different motorcycles. It was difficult. It I was can imagine. Difficult, but, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I made some mistakes, dude, <clears> that year. I mean, but for one, when the one bike was a GP shift and the other bike wasn't. <laughs> like, <laughs> one was a four stroke, one had no engine braking. Like, just, they, I couldn't have ridden two completely different motorcycles at the time. It was just, it wasn't the right thing for me to do. And I ended up crashing my brains out and I broke my back and um, broke my arm pretty, broke my wrist pretty bad at Daytona in my first AMA national on a 600 running. Like I was like sixth or seventh in the AMA national, which at that time there was like 30 guys all vying to try and win the damn race, you know? Yeah. That, 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 that and, was uh, uh, crazy times. Those were hairball times, man. And but riding two fifties to me was like, I, I felt pretty lucky cause I got to ride purebred race bikes. And at the time the 600s weren't great. They were, you know, guys, were, they were riding the shit out of them for sure. They're riding to the absolute limit. But the 250 Grand Prix bikes, you know, like when I started racing 250 GP bikes, Kenny Jr. was on a, still on a 250 in the States, you know. And there was a lot of Grand Prix ride, the people that went to Grand Prix, you know, they were racing, racing 250 GP. And so I kind of looked up to those guys. I mean, the 250 GP bikes used to be like at Sears Point were the premier class for a little while you know so I, I i always thought it was the coolest the coolest class so i was stoked to ride that class yeah how much you know you're super busy now promoting and running your business how much riding do you get to do i know you've done some some hooligan stuff when you can but do you get to do a lot of riding right now nice street ride a little bit um but i had a pretty I've had a pretty difficult three years physically. I broke my leg, my left leg twice, um, tibial plateau, and then a femur. Mm. So really, like kind of the <laughs> two worst leg breaks I happened in the last three years, and I'm 45, so believe me, 46. Um, and it just kind of changed my physical. It changed me physically for real the way that my body's always come back from any type of injury, I've never felt injured and I feel injured all the time. <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting nervous listening to this, man. <laughs> well, it changed my attitude, dude. I mean, like, you know, dude, Hey, if I would have had these breaks when I was a kid, I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's just as you get older and you get hurt as you get older, it just starts to suck. So I haven't been riding as much as I normally would, you know, normally I, go off road i go ride the desert you know and get out and ride my dirt bike and those are things that i love to do and it's just you know how it is dude i got a kid and i know i know Corey. i know you got a kid too and that my focus has definitely shifted to make sure i'm there for my my kids right now more more so than riding dirt bikes yeah no totally i'm a dad myself so uh, you know, an old flat track racer, so I totally could relate to you uh, on that level. Absolutely, man. You, you know, you're, you're kind of spot on. You know, uh, it's no fun getting hurt as an old dude. Uh, but you know, uh, just I, there's so much to talk about, and, and you know, uh, just kind of I'm gonna kind of pick and choose and hop all over the board with these topics because you know there's so there's so many versions of you. But uh, you know, a lot of your custom builds uh kind of seem to have a a a flat track influence to them somewhat you know Uh, not all your builds but a lot of them you know it seems like uh you use 19 inch wheels or you know uh flat track handlebars or that sort of thing uh you know so have you ever thought about building 
an AFT legal flat tracker. And, and if there was no rules in AFT and you could build like the ultimate flat track bike, what would you build? Woo. Loaded Man, question. I um, know. I, I think Indian built it already. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know you could pimp out an I, Indian though. The, the what? I, I said, I know you can pimp out an Indian. We could pimp out an Indian for sure. Um, no, I mean, I think India did a fantastic job of building what is a modern-day flat-track race bike, you know? I mean, XR has been the benchmark for so long. It was just kind of wide open for someone to come in and, and do the work that needed to get done to get, you know, get a bike where it was going to be competitive and also, like, basically dominating, you know? When you put the money and effort in, I think Indian did that. Um, I was kind of in line a little bit to do that project. And, um, you know, being that we built Project 156, which was the predecessor to the FTR, modern-day FTR 1200, um, which is basically we took that engine platform at the time for Polaris for victory, and we built 156, which was a Pikes Peak race bike. And that thing, we built it from scratch. So basically they gave us a would have been a, a scout motor, but at the time it was victory's octane. Um, and we plugged that in and it was like a hundred and he has made like 160 horsepower. Um, it was pretty, pretty badass motor that they had rebuilt, but the same mounting points and everything as what was octane or what is today, uh, scout, an Indian scout. So, um, yeah, turning that into a flat track bike or turning that into a road race bike, the next, obvious thing for me was turning it into a flat track race bike. Um, and Indian got really, obviously really got down to business with that and had, had a motor built. that was going to be fantastic for flat track and S and S then executed the bike. But, um, that was what I wanted to do. I mean, I wanted to build that 750 Indian. Um, and today, I mean, if I had an opportunity to take another OEM and do it, you know, if they're doing it with KTM, I'd probably want to do it with a Ducati, you know, mm. and figure out a badass water from old 750 Ducati. I might shrink the thing down and just make it super lightweight and try and get, I don't know, like, what, you know what the FTR 750 motors weigh? The motor Ooh. itself? Ooh. They're pretty heavy, I think. I have to like one, yeah, I don't know. I know, like, the way they come now, just, like, buying it off the showroom, quote-unquote, um, directly from Indian, yeah. they're they're pretty heavy, like 340, I think. I don't want to not quote. I'll get a call from Gary Gray, but, no, I think they're, like, 340-ish. But the motor itself, you know what the motor itself is? No, I don't. I, I, if, don't quote me on this, but 106 pounds. 160? 106. 106 pounds. Are they that light? I'm just Googling. I'm just Googling. FDR 750 <laughs> engine weight. It says, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's just what nice. it says. Yeah. Yeah, because I huh. know the bike, the bike's like 360, because we, we, uh, that's the same bike that we use when, for Travis when he jumped that, when he jumped the three big jumps in Vegas for Evil Live. That was yep. really cool. And they were that was really cool then. They were looking trying to duplicate what Evil had originally done and you know, we pushed him to run an Indian because okay, here was 
you know, Evo was basically jumping flat track bikes back in the day, an XR750 flat track bike. So it was like, what's the modern day version of that? And the bike, we didn't want to jump dirt bikes, dude, and not something that weighs 200 pounds. It's like, no, we need to jump a heavy bike. So uh, the, seven, the FTR 750 is not heavy, but I think when you're when you're jumping 200 feet, like, yeah, 360-pound bike is kind of heavy. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that. Um, so maybe some, some backstory to that to that that event because uh he he almost made it look pretty easy i mean i know how talented travis is and some of those jumps it looked like he was just like yeah all right i'll do it like right now right away didn't didn't really need to cite it up just sort of went for it so um leading up to that was he was he nervous at all or was he pretty confident uh he had it pretty dialed we (laughs) actually were concerned it was too easy on tv you know like well, he, we tested. So before the before he came out and jumped the jumps, we tested out. Um, and oh, we were actually out at Paris. And so he had jumped all those distances prior. Um, so kind of had it dialed, you know. And and maybe that took a little bit of drama out on the day. Um, but when you got live TV and you know you got three hours, and you know he's doing three life risking jumps i mean he's got to get it right dude you know so they they needed to test it and make sure that everything was going to be right and you know when we when we were testing we bent frames we bent we bent swing arms uh we fucked some stuff up so it was good that we did test although i think the bike probably and the, the bike did make it all three jumps all the way through but you know it's good to go out and test the thing and, and really put it through its paces because he was bottoming the thing out. We really had to dial the suspension and, um, you know, get that all figured out. Was there anything you guys had to do to the, the, uh, to the frame to stiffen it up, to handle that kind of, uh, those kind of landings? I mean, obviously suspension, but was there anything you guys did to the frames? Yeah. Yeah, man. We ended up breaking arms because the, the original swing arms and you probably seen what they look like. Um, I mean, they're not, they're not crazy braced. And the way that the shock pivot kind of comes up is a little, it's a little sketchy if you're jumping 200 feet. So we ended up like just putting bracing in and, and some additional bracing and strengthening the swing arm up. Um, but more than anything was just getting the suspension right, you know. And uh, Jimmy helped us. Jimmy Wood helped us at the time to get that figured out because we were hard bottoming. As soon as we hard bottomed, we'd bend a swing arm. So it was really building in that last bit on the suspension to make sure that we weren't going to go all the way through the stroke and hard bottom. Yeah. You know, Hey, uh, Roland, another cool build that you did, um, that had to do with racing. I don't know why it never seemed to really take hold. Like I thought it would, but I thought it was so cool where the, where the, uh, 450 super singles that you built. Um, what, what's the story yeah. behind that? I, I, I actually, I know that happened quite a while ago, so I kind of want to just tell our, our listeners a little bit about what I'm talking about. Or actually, how about you tell our listeners what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, dude, that was such a cool project at the time, man. Um, it was so cool. And, yeah, and you know who, who approached me about it was Gavin Tripp, who was the originator of Superbikes. Remember the old Superbike class, like Eddie Lawson yeah. and Bubba Schobert and all those guys were riding like yeah. 500cc strokes on flat track wheels and, you know, more snags and stuff like that. So 
he actually approached me about it, and um, I was like, that's a fantastic idea. Why is no one building 450s into road racers? Can we do it? So we built a prototype of it, and, dude, this was, um, was it 10 years ago now, something like that, close to it? It had to have been. I mean, it was a while ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would know better than me, but it was it was probably a solid 10 years ago. If not, maybe even, I don't know, maybe another year on that. I don't know. It was a while ago. Yeah, dude, it was a long time ago, man. Um, what's funny is, I mean, it's, I, I haven't looked it up in a while, but I looked, I'm just typing into the, into the internet, and it's just like there's a lot of different people still working on it, actually, um, still, it- still building them. And then a KTM built, you know, a real a real version of it a production version yeah those, those things were so cool when they came out i mean basically you know he you took a, a a stock production motocrosser you know put a road race front end on it road race wheels uh and and some you know some gp bodywork and made little road racers they were those things were so badass man i thought they were the coolest thing you know since sliced bread and i'm like oh man this is going to be like fun, you know, affordable road racing for a lot of guys that just want to go out and have fun or, or like, you know, I think your intentions were to get younger kids involved in the sport a little bit more affordably, but, uh, man, I don't know. I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta do something, man. There's something there. You, you can't leave that one sit. Yeah. We are trying to fire up, you know, we're trying to like, there's so many 450 motocross bikes sitting in garages and we're like, how do we get people to get these things out get them on road race tracks? You know, and a lot of people did. A lot of people built them and, and had a lot of fun. Originally, the OEM supported the idea. But then as motors started blowing up, like on, on in flat tracks, specifically on 450s, and, and they were having issues with blowing motors on miles, I think the OEM started worrying about road racing 450 motocross motors, that it was just going to be super expensive. So we didn't end up getting any OEM support at the time moving forward although they funded the original bikes, you know, and we kind of base it on, like we, we brought all four bikes out to Laguna Seca and it was me, Kevin Schwantz. Uh, oh, who, who was the girl who rode with us? It might've been Elena, Elena Height. Is that her name? Elena Myers. Myers? Maybe, maybe. Mm. Um, I'd have to go back and, but um, yeah, we, we had a Honda, we had a Suzuki, a Yamaha and a Kawasaki. We took them out to uh, the World Superbike race, and we rode them, you know, in front of the whole freaking paddock, and did like did like five or six laps, and just like diced it up. It was super fun, um, and that was that was kind of the way to kick it off. And there was a lot of interest in it, and then, uh, you know, we just didn't get the OEM support, unfortunately. But the idea is still out there, and people are still building them. And then we started building like customs, so we built like cafe racers out of 450 motocross bikes, and it was super fun and easy. Yeah, those are badass. Now, I kind of want to transition to a little bit into the Super Hooligan series. Obviously, this most of our listeners are flat track fans, and they see what you've done with the Hooligan stuff, dude. It's just insane how popular it is. I just had a race this past weekend, and my Hooligan class was one of the most stacked classes of the night, and that includes the pro stuff. So how did that all come about, man? Like, it was such a casual couple buddies you know costa mesa just drinking beer riding our harleys and then it turned into you just <laughs> you, you just elevated it to this this worldwide thing man it's everybody is doing it now so what what went into that and um and how did it all get started dude you said it man i mean we were riding 
riding our Harleys out of Costa Mesa, you know, like going out and drinking beers and shooting the shit and like just weaving around like people who had just ridden their bike in off the street baggers and anything went, man, anything went. And the cool thing about it was that you were in a crowd of 4,000 people because they'd packed that place, you know, but have you ridden there Costa at the Speedway? Nah, I haven't, but I've seen videos. It's it, it looks awesome. I've always been jealous of of those like Harley nights at Costa Mesa. It looks so much fun. Dude, it's a straight up boring man. Like it just goes back to the old school, and that they've been doing that for like forty years. Brad's been doing that out there, and Brad's a legend, you know. And this Brad really, I think, was a catalyst for for that for the whole Hooligan series. And he probably doesn't get enough credit for it. I probably get more credit than I should. And I mean, Brad gave us a place to ride and he didn't give a shit. Brad's like, go out and have a good time and put on a show. That's all we care about. If you fall down, that's great. Get up and scream and yell at the fans and, you know, do your whole thing. And then we, we kind of got fast, you know, like we were actually going out and going fairly quick originally on soft hills. So we were riding big twins. We weren't riding sportsters. And then guys started serious and started building sportsters and then we had to build better bikes you know to come out and beat them and then it just escalated into the whole <laughs> hooligan series you true know? racers man I mean, true racers guys- <laughs> <laughs> it's the epitome of a racer man you know you got to get better right you got to get faster <laughs> yeah yeah i just dude i don't ride soft tails i thought riding soft tails was the most fun thing i'd ever done like i was out there on a an 800 pound bike with eight hangers hanging it out <laughs> and it just felt i don't know if there's a cooler feeling in the world than that especially at a place like costa mesa where it would be so consistent and you could just like you'd be so sideways on a motorcycle that should never be treated that way <laughs> and it just felt great i, I think back now on I think you can tell I get excited about it, and like it just puts a huge smile on my face. <laughs> no, I'm with you, man. It, you know, kudos to you for giving. I, I believe you're talking about Brad Oxley there. Uh, you know, at, at Costa Mesa and kind of getting this hooligan thing started. Uh, so kudos to you for you know giving props to Brad on that. But you know, you talk about like obviously racers being racers, man. Hooligan has evolved from like soft tails and ape hangers to kind of like you know you see the stuff guys are riding now, and it's like you know you see like. Frankie Garcia or Andy De Bruno, and it's like, oh, these guys are building legit, you know, race motorcycles. Although they are hooligan, uh, you know. So, yeah. do you think? I mean, what's the future for hooligan? And do you think it'll ever go back to ape hangers and soft tails? <laughs> I hope so. I hope it does. Um, I mean, De Bruno built like he built a real race bike, and and him and Joe was it in nineteen out at the half mile were running times that were would have qualified for like the pro races, which was crazy on hooligan bikes, you know? And granted, I mean those those guys both are talented, but I mean we were blown away by the times at that time and then we were kinda of like, well shit, I mean, these guys are probably cheating. <laughs> so it's like you know, they were they were far they were quite a bit quicker than everybody else. So we, we ended up modifying the rules a bit. Um you know, and we put a weight limit in the class, um, but it's still it's 400 pounds. You know, 400 pounds, 750 cc stock frames. Um, but when you got the KTM in the mix, it starts to elevate things. You know, that's a little bit different bike than a Harley Sportster. Yeah, I was gonna say, how do you, 
How do you elevate the series, like bring in the sponsors? Because you guys have pretty good payouts. Like I, I, I see the payouts and I'm like, shit, like I got to fly to California for this. Like how do you, you know, elevate it but keep guys like Joe Cop or, you know, those top pro riders or whatever? Um, like how do you kind of, you know, do all that? Like do you want pros in it? Do you Is it – yeah, that's just I, w- I was always curious how that works. Like, who's eligible and what's kind of the direction you got? I mean, it's supposed to be for fun, but man, it's like it's pretty serious now. Like, people put a lot into it, so I just wasn't sure how you kind of handle all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, man. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions about that, and it's led to some struggles, you know. Um, yeah, and you got you got more of the like you know, Ma, the Mama Tried crew and the uh, Fast Fridays or what was it? The the stuff that they're doing and they, they have their opinion about it and they wanted to keep it non-pro. Um, and I was always kind of like, I was in it for the star power, man. Like I wanted to get people who are good riders, pushing the sport, getting people to ride better, getting people to ride faster. You know, guys like Debrino or Joe, cop would show up and then you know when they were running the whole championship it was kind of like they were setting a benchmark for everybody else mm-hmm. and that was at the point like okay you know these guys have won the championship a couple times I and mean, joe won it and, and andy won it so let's make some modifications and if guys are running pro races then let's let them race as much as they want to race when we'll limit the prize money to a few races where they can come in and race half the series and still get points and make money and make it worth their while. But the championship, we would set the championship aside for an amateur. And yes. that was what we were doing last year before we got COVIDed like everybody else. <laughs> so w- going into 2021, I mean, I know you, I know your series got hit kind of hard with a lot of cancellations due to obviously COVID uh, out of your hands, but Moving forward, what's 2021 look like for the Super Hooligan Series? We're working on that right now. Um, We are looking at working with AFT, Emoto America, and another upcoming event to put on more of a Grand National Series. Um, And so that would mean that we're racing a road race, a a short track, a half mile, and probably a TT. and so we're putting that together right now, but we're going to do an abbreviated series. You know, we're not going to try and go out and do 10 rounds. And Super Hooligan has always been about taking racing to the people, you know, where they least expect it at big events. And, you know, it's been like at the One Moto Show or at, um, or at the Handbuilt Show in Texas and crazy events. Last year our schedule was so diverse and cool, and we had, like, concerts and all kinds of shit. And, you know, we just can't depend on that. So we're going to – we're going to focus on doing events that we can get uh, live streaming and television so we can get exposure for the sport and um, diversify it a little bit, do something different and new, you know, that's got to keep it changed. We got to change it up. Our, the cool thing about our series is we can modify it. We can change it. It doesn't have to be the same as it was last year. And yeah. you know, the world's a different place. Today, so, yeah. Yeah, we got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll let you go. But I kind of wanted to talk about – you mentioned some of the star power you guys have. I mean, you've had 
Uh, Pastrana did Daytona, which was fucking hilarious, by the way. I loved watching him, him ride that thing. It's awesome. Um, and then Twitch, you know, Twitch does some events and Matto and um, you know Tyler Beerman, all those guys. They they do a lot of your events. And is there anybody who you want to do the Super Hooligans, like a popular rider in moto or road racing who ha- hasn't done it, but they've been on the fence, like? anybody that you have on your radar to do one? We'll have to get a MotoGP rider in there. I think that's, <laughs> that'd be scary. Have it. <laughs> right. That would be huge. Danny Eslick. Danny Eslick was a wild man, dude. <laughs> what? What do Danny you mean? What? Wild. <laughs> is, 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 uh, yeah. I mean, tra- Watching Travis ride at Nitro World Games was insane. Um, you know, we had we had like I think four X X Games gold medal winners, you know, in our race at, at Nitro, which was super cool. Guys were getting off their motocross bikes after winning best trick and like straight onto a flat track bike on an asphalt <laughs> oval. <laughs> uh, Moto Beach, we did that race and basically raced at a concert, you know, with 20,000 people. Yeah, that was awesome. Bad religion, suicidal tendencies, and I mean, it's crazy when I think back to all the wild stuff we've done, you know, and I'd, I'd really like to get back to doing that again. So hopefully we can get rid of COVID and <laughs> get back to regular life. Yeah, That's like you just mentioned, boring. the stuff you're doing is just – you get it, man. You get the marketing side of it, and that's why it, it's gotten so big. Like a bunch of you guys, you know, you, you know, it's you guys understand what it takes to kind of get the crowd involved and get the people involved. And the Moto Beach race was, dude. I, I actually, I'm a huge hooligan fan. Like my, the a lot of my guys I race with, they give me shit about it, and I just like, I'll be checking hooligan results like at a national, like the seeing how the boys did. <laughs> Uh, like checking the coverage. I'm like, Oh dude, this is sick. Um, so I've been, I've been a big hooligan fan for a while. And the moto beach race is like, if you can ever bring that back, if I could pick one race to do after like Rossi's, um, motor ranch race, it'd be the, the moto beach. I think it was like, was it Huntington or, um, Newport? I don't know. It looked awesome. I'd love to do that one. That looks sick. Yeah, yeah, and, ho- and hopefully we can do that again one day, man. Hopefully we can get back there and do that. Um, and we had just a cool opportunity and still do have the opportunity to race on the beach, you know, in SoCal. And it just seemed like something that was completely impossible to do. We didn't hurt anybody, you know. People had a really good time, and it was safe, and we didn't really get any complaints. So it was like, yeah, it's possible to race in the craziest places you could ever think of. Well, I'm looking forward to what you got going on in 2021. I hope you bring an eight hanger class back or like a totally street stock class back. <laughs> I love that. Like to me, the man, that that's like, you know, that puts a smile on my face when I think of hooligan racing, you know, it's just seeing like, you know, yeah. dudes show up with headlights taped off, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I got to say, you know, uh, you know, your dad had performance machine, uh, you know, between, you, you know, your dad's wheels and your, your wheels, you guys have been a part of, uh, uh, you know, of American flat track racing since the early nineties with the chicane wheel and then the eight spoke. And then, you know, right down to, you know, the wheels you 
you know, you produce today. Um, how do you, uh, keep reinventing the wheel? So, you know, I hate to be so cliche when I say that, but like, how do you keep reinventing yeah. the wheel? I mean, have you already started working on the next RSD wheel? I mean, what, what, what's down, what's down the pipeline? We got an ultralight front wheel that we're worked on. I've still got a prototype, um, you know, that kind of falls in the range. I mean, all the heavy wheel stuff and different thicknesses of rim lifts and tubeless and all that stuff. We just try and stay on top of it. And, you know, Cameron Brewer, who works, who works with me, has been really paramount in staying on top of what we need to bring to the table. And so that's been, you know, it's been cool. I mean, I'm, I designed the original Y-spoke wheel for my dad back in, that was 20 years ago now. And oh, we're wow. still running that same wheel. That's yeah. cool. That's so cool. The iteration of it was rad. I mean, I'm, I had a pretty cool run of designing race parts back in the day for my dad. I used to design all the, all the drag race wheels, and we would test all the brake calipers. Um, you know, my, my road race bike, I designed the six-spoke magnesium wheels that were on that, but we were never able to actually figure out how to produce a magnesium wheel that consistently, you know, because it's a pain in the ass to do cast wheels. Um, but yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been fun. It's been a, it's been a crazy run designing race parts, man. And I just hope to be able to keep doing it and keep bringing stuff to the table that you guys can win on. You're involved in a lot of stuff, dude. And, uh, we appreciate you coming on. We got one more segment we do. It's called the higher low line. You pick one or the other and, you want to give us like a brief explanation on, on why you picked that one. But yeah, the first one, Sam, some of these are pretty funny. Um, uh, you're, you're stuck on an Island with one movie to watch forever. <laughs> are you watching wild hogs or the dirt bike kid? <laughs> I've never seen the dirt bike kid. And You've wild seen wild hogs though. I, man, I'll probably take the dirt bike kid because I've never seen it before. It might be a risk, but <laughs> wild, wild hogs would drive me fucking crazy, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great, good. man. <laughs> Can I just choose to not watch TV at all? <laughs> no, no, it plays on repeat. <laughs> it's like a torture chamber. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So uh, we we know you surf a little bit, or maybe a lot. You know, we know you surf and, and you ride motorcycles. So what's crazier? Uh, you know, surfing like w let's say you had to do one event. You had to like do the big wave contest at Mavericks, or you had to to uh, be a, a sidecar passenger at the Isle of Man. Which one are you choosing? Oh, Mavericks! Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I would, I probably potentially die at Mavericks too, but at least I'd be in control of it. There's no way I'm jumping on a sidecar, style, I, man, dude. That's like, I don't know how to cool surf, shit. and I would do the surfing. <laughs> man, yeah. have you have you ever surfed, Corey? That waves are no joke, man. Yeah, and you then you talk Mavericks, like that's death. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'm I'm with him on I that. Now that now that I'm thinking about that, now that I'm thinking about that, I don't know. I would have to, I'd have to actually really think about it. I would have people that would be able to help me surf Mavericks, and I could train for it, and probably get in the position where I could hold my breath for a long time. Yeah, this is happening so tomorrow. Tomorrow, happening tomorrow. This is happening tomorrow. 
Yeah, tomorrow. You got to do one or the other. All right, I got one then. Who's the last person you'd get in a sidecar with at Isle Man? Like, who would you not let drive you around Isle Man? Oh, my God. Probably J- uh, No, Jamie Robinson knows the track. Um, Mark Cernicky. <laughs> uh, I, I almost thought he was going to say Pastrana, but yeah, okay, <laughs> good, good either way. Well, Travis has never been before. Travis never been there before, so if it was tomorrow, yeah, tra- I wouldn't want to jump in there with Travis. That would be psycho. <laughs> uh, what would be more fun to ride around Laguna Seca, a bagger or a 450 super single? <sighs> bagger, dude. <laughs> that's what i'm saying dude that looks that, cool. that, that that indian challenger worked good bro <laughs> frankie dude sending it yeah make it sense, dude it doesn't make any sense but it fucking worked fantastic <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome all right all right your next custom build okay your your next custom build has to be based off of a, a cushman scooter or a Rokon, you know, one of those all-wheel, big-tire utility jobbers? Yeah. Probably the Rokon. I could see that. Rokon would be pretty pretty sweet. Yeah, go full military with it. Yeah. All right, we got two more here. Would you rather race with gloves that were too tight or boots that were two sizes too big? What am I riding? Ooh, Sammy, what's he riding? What am I racing? Mm, 250 GP bike. Oof, probably small gloves. Ooh, I hate tight gloves. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I would do the gloves, too. Big boots suck, too, dude. I get, arm, I get arm pump, but, dude, if you miss shift a, a two-stroke, it just kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah, that would that would. I'm gonna fucking hate it. That wouldn't be a cool neutral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. All right, all right, last one. Yeah. Couple guys you raced with. Um, just you know your take on either one or who you picking? Uh, Chuck Sorensen or Rich Oliver? For what? Just who who who's on top in your mind? Oh, Rich for sure. I guess that's kind of easy, yeah. right? All right. Yeah, drink a beer with Chuck, but Rich is, Rich is, I was thinking about him today. My, my child asked me, she says, daddy, have you ever won a race? My five-year-old. And I said, yeah. And she says, so did you win all the time? And I said, no. And she said, well, who beat you? (laughs) And I had to like go back and name people that beat me. And I was like, this guy, Rich Oliver used to beat me all the time. Like, uh, she she didn't get really. She's like, I thought you won all the time, Daddy. And I'm like, you just keep telling yourself that, kid. (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Cool, man. Yeah, dude, we appreciate you coming on. I know you're super busy. Uh, Hopefully, shit gets back to normal, and we can see you at a race here in the future, man. I appreciate what you do for the sport, and thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, yeah. um, Might see you guys at Dixie. Ah, perfect. Perfect. Cool. Well, right on, Roland, man. It's been it's been cool talking with you. We appreciate you taking the time to to come on and and chat with us a little bit. And uh, 
if I could uh, put anything in your mind, it would be ape hangers and uh, street stock motorcycles back in the hooligan class. <laughs> Till then, uh, we'll see you. We'll see you soon. Right on, guys. Cheers. Have a good day. All right, man. Peace out. Thank you. See you, Tim. Rolling Sands. <laughs> I love that guy, man. He's 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 a funny dude. He's and he's a gamer. Like I love his work ethics. Just when he was saying he he got anxiety about all the stuff he's doing, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I feel you, bro. It's, it he's gets got a full plate, though, man. He's got he does yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. Got to hand it to the guy. And it's a lot of different stuff. Like it's not. I mean, it's racing. It's clothing. It's you know any one of those. Any one of those you know things that he he on his plate would consume your life. And he has like I don't know ten of them. You know so yeah. Yeah, dude, it's all about having that crew, man. It's like everybody that is involved, dude. You can do a lot of stuff if you have people reliable to help you, man. And he sounds like he's got a good crew. I know Cameron Brewer, man, and he works really, really hard and helps helps Roland a lot with the Super Hooligan series. And and you know, I don't, you know, a lot of Roland's crew, they probably don't get the credit they deserve too, because um, you know, like Cameron puts a lot into it. And and uh, yeah, for Roland to kind of shout out his his crew early on in the show, it shows uh, what kind of leader and. Uh, you know, all around good guy he actually is. So, yeah, Roland Sandsman, I was happy to get him on. Talk about the Super Hooligan series. That shit is just insane. Like, they get 60 riders at some of their events. It's They get more than an AFT race. So. Well, yeah, I know. Well, uh, that's not hard to do nowadays, unfortunately, with, uh, you know, so many uh, or limited amount of riders. But uh, speaking of, you know, big hooligan class, how many hooligan riders did you have at Winter Throwdown? Oh boy, I don't know exactly. I think we we're in the 30s, um, dude. Pretty much every class had 30 to 40 people. I mean, even the 80 class was stacked. Yeah, yeah, I dude. I saw like um, all these 80 riders. I'm like, damn. Yeah, it was. Well, dude, I was worried about the 50 class because last year we had two 50s, and I think we had. 15 18 50s and you don't see that anywhere um it, it's crazy yeah no it, the event was so so cool man and um i don't know carter you follow i mean carter and sammy i mean carter was heavily involved in in the throwdown doing the social media stuff what was your what was your favorite part of the of the night dude i mean what was the motorcycle part hot take I like the motorcycle part the best. That was that was my. I liked when part. we were done and we could go home. <laughs> Dude, I, I didn't even. I don't know. I mean, you did the same. You were on your feet the whole day. I didn't realize it. Like I would. I didn't sit. Barely sat down all day. I didn't eat. Like I. But I didn't even realize it. I was just go 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 walking around running around all day. And you were the same way. But by the end of it, when it ended, I was just like, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the next day, I felt like I got hit by a truck. I yeah. couldn't even walk. I felt like a baby deer trying to get out of my hotel bed to go get a shower and washing my face. And the 50-plus class, race. there was four guys battling the whole race. It was awesome. You know, the pro classes were had some epic battles. The heat races were pretty good. Meese kind of whole-shotted and, and got away in both the finals, but... Carver, as always, was was doing some interesting shit on the outside, and you know Dalton Gautier came from a second row start and and got second. Brandon Robinson was second in the first main event. It, it was epic, dude. I, I don't, there's so much to talk about with the race, all the sponsors that showed up and helped us out. 
Kelly Bell. I mean, dude, we had 61 heat races, 31 semis, two dash for caches, and 15 main events. And like we the got two wheel version of the Chili Bowl. Dude, I know. It's crazy. And we got done at a really good time. Like, um, you know, James Spoley, unfortunately, had a, he had a bad get off and he was transported. And we had to call in another ambulance. And we actually we pulled some strings and we called in an ambulance that was closer. So we got them there 45 minutes sooner than what they were going to bring them. Um, so, yeah, that whole deal was was tough. You know, see, at first seeing James hurt was was not cool. I don't like to see anybody hurt at my races. And then, and then when he's, you know, getting transported, I'm thinking like, Oh shit, how are we going to get, get this back underway? And Dave from the racetrack and the other guy, I, I didn't even know who this guy was. So I'm like on the track, I'm stressing out this random dude walks out with a phone and I was getting ready to yell at him to I'm like, get off the track. I didn't know who this guy was. He's like, Hey, I got an ambulance. I'll be here in two minutes. I'm like, no shit. I was like, you legend. Like, <laughs> I don't know who this guy was, but he just like made shit happen. I like fist bumped him. He was like an older, like backwoods dude. I'm like, you are clutch, bro. And he was just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, He's um, local. <laughs> yeah. So it was good. Not, not really a ton of drama this year. I mean, last year we had the Justin Jones and, and Dalton Gauthier little smash up, but there wasn't a heck of a lot of drama, which I guess it's good. But I mean, the fans love a little bit of, to now, there was a little bit in the hooligan class after the hooligan main event. Uh, ben Ludlow and Cole King did a couple slide jobs and 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 revved their motors up at each other. Uh, we love to see it as long as they don't fist fight. You know, the intensity is always good. Yeah. What was up with uh, the weather? That's the one thing everyone was talking about, man. They're like, I thought this was Florida. You know, I was just talking to Carter all week. He's like, dude, it's like 75 so, down here. It's, it's the Florida, one thing you, you know. can't control. And the week before it was, I was shorts and flip-flops the week before, but it was. It was. If there's one thing that, that you can say that wasn't perfect, it was the weather. But, you know, it, dude, when you're in the middle of it, I, I don't know. It wasn't that big of a deal. I wasn't cold. I was running around. I was that, warm, That's exactly. That's why I kept running around, I think. It's it wasn't that warm. bad. It was, it was cold enough to where it was annoying. And I think it was mainly just annoying because it's Florida. Everybody expects it to be nice weather. But as long as I don't see any of the blue stuff on the radar, I'm straight. You know, I'm, I'm okay with it being a little cold. Obviously, warm weather is nicer. That's probably why a lot of us were so sore and tired the next day because cold weather definitely jacks you up. But... Um, no, nah, it was, I, like I said, I don't really know, you know, I, obviously I have driving home. I have a notebook of things I can do better and, and we're going to work on some things, you know, we, it wasn't perfect by any means, you know, with that many riders, you know, there's definitely some things we can do better, but you know, I, I think it'll just get better and bigger and better. I mean, it's, I know I had like a bunch of people who were going to come who didn't even come. So we could have easily had in the four. I mean, Noah didn't come. Ryan Varnes couldn't come. Was Coast not there? Coast uh, was Coast. Yeah. Coast didn't show up, right? Coast no. didn't show up. Um, there was a lot of people. Briar, Briar didn't make it. Shayna. Uh, There's a lot of people who obviously could very well be there next year that weren't there. Um, so now the biggest thing is just making sure everybody has fun, putting on a time-efficient event, Giving, giving the guys, you know, enough incentive to come and just get a lot of laps. And everybody got a lot of laps. We ran through two rounds of practice, which I was happy about. Uh, I was a little worried when I saw the rider count. I was thinking we were only going to be able to do one round. 
and we got two rounds of practice in. So, yeah, I, I, I take a lot of pride in making sure the guys are happy and they're having fun. And I think generally everybody had a good time and that's that's important. Well, you know how it is when it comes to the uh, flat track world and, 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 and the keyboard warriors out there. If something doesn't go right, man, you know, people aren't shy to talk shit about an event or, or you know, voice their opinion. And as far as I know, I haven't heard one bad thing about the event. So if that says anything about the event right there, I mean, I think that speaks volumes. And I'm sure next year is going to be even bigger, badder and better. So chili bowl of the two wheel world, man, it is 61 heat races. That's insane. It was, it was a ton of fun. And as a, as a Carver fan, I got to say my favorite thing was probably seeing um, him rip around on that, uh, Suzuki framer that Andrew Butler built. I don't know, Corey, if you had a chance to see that up close, man, that was pretty badass little framer. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, he was, I was going to ride that bike, dude. I, it looked <laughs> awesome. And, yeah. uh, Friday night I actually got caught helping with the like the practice gate that yeah. i was organizing that because i wanted to make sure there's so many riders i want to make sure everybody got out enough time um so i was at the gate all day friday but then saturday i was sort of in the infield of the track most of the night helping line guys up making sure nobody was jumping kind of um you know helping the scoring ladies as much as i could um shout out to them too because it was cold and they sat out there and scored kelly all night bell. long kelly bell was a huge huge shout out yeah kelly, kelly bell. bell kept you know she got the lineups posted right away joe bromley from ama was there um my mom and my sister you know they were taking you know getting tickets for two days straight um my gate guys dale and dale jones and and norm um jaylen and melissa they were Help me with the Strider bike race, which Cruz got third in. I'm yeah, Cruz got a podium. <laughs> He's on the podium bump. though, man. Yeah, he took he took the heart he took a, a big lead yeah. in the heat race, and he just doesn't like pushing a bike anymore. He just <laughs> he likes now he's spoiled. He gets to turn the throttle because we were practicing on a Stasic. They have an RC car track, and he I've was seen that. <laughs> he looked awesome, dude. He was jumping it and. I'm like, oh, we got this, and then, uh, and then we lined up, and he was, he just, I think he wore himself out, and ah, uh, just, he's a, right now, he's just a bronze medalist. I told him, I'm like, dude, you, you got us. I made him do push-ups in the pit when we were. He's done, got something so. to strive for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, yeah, we had people helping out with that. We had some really good video people. Lane's World. We dropped an edit today on my pages. He he did a great edit um clings media so many photographers um there's there's a lot of photos coming um yeah it was great it was awesome and yeah special thank you to everybody that supported it and i'm looking forward to to next year but now dude for me it's take a couple days i'll probably start training again tomorrow um do some light training this week ramp it up i go down to florida early february and get the get the season started you know uh shifting focus a little bit from Corey the promoter to Corey the racer so i'm excited to to get back to work hopefully it's number 65 i know <laughs> Golly. Uh, that would suck wouldn't it <laughs> whatever dude it is what it is uh, hey would you, would you dude, i almost wanted i almost wanted not to work out okay so you said there was one other number that you would get 25 well, my dad's other number was 25. Why are we having this conversation? All right, so, no, but let, let's just stop putting you on the spot. If you didn't get 65 and you couldn't get 25, you have to pick any other number. What would it be? 69. 
because it's right. funny. There you have no. <laughs> <laughs> Because, no, I don't think I'd get 69. Obviously, that's Halberd's. But if somebody took mine, then I'm going to take somebody else's. I'm going to fuck the whole system up. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to put number one down. Rispoli ain't using it. He's running Super Twin. There so you go. Bring your I'm number one back. Number one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he moved up, so Default's, I got number two. Default's so the last champion. Yeah. Yeah. I posted a video. I've been after the season was over. I still had number one on my bikes. I'm not going to take them off. It's still 2020. I was still the champ. So they were giving me shit about having my number one on my bikes. And uh, the first, it was like New Year's Day. I went out in the garage, took it off, threw it on the on the garage floor. I'm like, here, bro. You, you happy? Like, there you go. So, um, no, I don't know what else I'd pick. Honestly, I, my road racing number was number four. Um, I did that cause Chris Carr, um, who's that guy? But I can't pick a single digit. I wouldn't pick a sing- single digit anyway. Sammy, what were you? 11, 11, a? Yeah. Yeah. Is anybody yeah. 11 do 11? Ah, who's a, a Luker, but I don't know. He's not a production twins rider. You Is can it? only this year, you can only pick what it's it's across the board like oh it's there's okay. no multiple numbers yeah everybody gets so i was looking i don't think anybody is nobody's 65 on a single right not that i know of so either yeah i don't know better get that get that app in i can't get my concussion test until next friday damn it i know <laughs> <laughs> Hey, back in the day, I know people would buy numbers. Oh, they still not, do not, it. If anybody yeah, gets you know, that I mean, number 65, numbers. I'll help sponsor your program. I ain't buying a number, dude. They can shove it up their asses if they take it. People do that so they think I'll buy their number. I ain't buying a number. I don't. I know, know Roger, I mean? like, Roger Jerky sold his 69 to someone pretty famous. I know a lot of people that have sold numbers, dude. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have done that. So I'm not going to throw them, throw them out. On, on, I, I probably know the half dozen guys that have done it. But um, it ain't C tax. I ain't. I'm. I ain't buying a number. <laughs> my sixty five isn't. You know, it's it's my number. But I can race without it. I don't. I'll be number X. I don't care. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, racer X, man. The old. Uh, yeah. right. I had a couple uh, after Thursday night. I think it was Thursday. I had a couple land sharks. Um, I had like two, dude, and I was feeling pretty loose. I was like been a while i think i was dehydrated or something i was <laughs> i was sweating and then um brandon posh did you see him dude he he uh destroyed dalton gautier's bike yeah 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 he did idiot he was going pretty good actually i was thunder like, thunder crashed on brian smith's oh what did he i didn't even well, he, see him out he didn't crash he laid it down i should say he'll oh. correct me he laid it down can almost go in the trash oh, yeah. posh, which posh destroyed it um <laughs> did you guys see it happen no nah, he happen? said he got he said he low sided and somebody ran ran the bike over mm. i don't know but he was feeling pretty damn confident after friday he wanted to ride the pro class and i'm like dude just ride the amateur like if you could podium the amateur race that'd be really good um and then the next day he um he's like dressed during the main event i'm like what are you doing? You didn't make the finals. He's like, no, I missed both the amateur mains by one spot. So he didn't even make the amateur mains. I was like, dude, the amateur kids are, are really fast. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was satisfying for me as his, uh, 
mentor, you know, just to see him get humbled a little bit. And it was pretty so fun. I don't want these road racers coming over and thinking flat track's easy. You I, know? Don't, so. I don't know if he told you, but uh, I was uh, I interviewed him. I don't know if you saw it on the page yet, but my ignorant ass in the motorcycle world, I'm still kind of new, and I, I definitely don't know road racing. So I was just like... I said, I definitely know the name, Corey. I've heard Corey talk about you a lot, but, like, who are you? What have you done? Just, you know, bullshitting with him before I actually did the interview. And he was like, yeah, I've, you know, won a few championships. He's being real modest. And, and I was like, dude, you're badass. You win championships in a road. I didn't had, I had no idea who that He's was. He's a squid. He's, I, I think during that interview, he called Corey. Uh, he said it's kind of like a called Corey daddy. Figure. Yeah, yeah, he called him daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I have way too many. I have way too many children, man. I can't even, like, he's hanging out right now with Dalton Gautier and Mitchler and all those guys. God knows what they're, I was like, I talked to them today. I'm like, dude, because we're going to train together this winter. Me, uh, I'm bringing on Trent Lowe. Um, so I helped, I helped Trent kind of line up his deal with Wally Brown. So um, Trent Lowe is riding for Wally Brown Racing. I'm going to train with Trent this winter. And then I'm bringing on Brandon Posh to, uh, train with us and then chase Sadhoff. he'll come down for two weeks him and his dad we're gonna do some training he, he's got one more year amateur and then we're gonna get him ready for the for the pro ranks we're not really sure what we're gonna do for that yet but um just depends what ctex does in the future i don't know how many more years i have in me so um yeah so we got a good group this winter i'm excited to get down there and Get ready for the season. Just need to know, uh, am I putting my short track pants on first, my half mile? Like, what? where are we going when we get down there? I heard, I heard you. a half mile now. I, I heard... thought it was a short track, but I've been I've been hearing half mile rumors. I've heard so. a lot of, I've heard a little bit of everything. So I'm like, you know what? I, I don't, until I hear it, I, I, you know, I'm not banking on anything. You know how those rumors go anyway. By the time you get excited about a rumor and everybody thinks it's going to happen, it's completely, it just goes away and it's something completely different. So careful. Yeah, that's why I don't even care. Like, yeah. I don't care where we race. I don't care when it is. You can't stress about it. You just got to go and do your job and and uh, you got to pretend you like it if you don't like it. So You uh, said you said Morgan Mishler's name too. I think that's the only person that that could have made more money than you at that event. I'm um, slinging those beanies, dude. He sold about 100 of those Morgan Mishler beanies. Good for him. Did dude. you get one? No, I didn't get oh, one. You got one. Dude, the insides <laughs> all fleece. It's dope. I think I just actually my so. wife just told me that it looks like cuz I just ordered some beanies and she's like it looks like the ones you got are the same ones that he got it's like oh. a new era beanie oh. um dude beanie city good for him they're good dude i love i love a little entrepreneur man <laughs> I, I love it so anything else to talk about um nothing i think that that's about it man i'm that's i'm a, still still pretty tired so yeah that's that's about it and um Another good show, man. We we've been having some bangers. I mean, you know, Roger Hayden. Now we got you know a 250 GP champ. Uh, I don't know. Pressure's on. Whoever's coming on next, better be good. Yeah, no pressure. I want to thank uh, our sponsors as always for making it happen. Bell Power Sports. Check them out. BellHelmets.com. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Moto America. MotoAmerica.com. Check them out. Give them a follow on social media. Check out their 2021 schedule. Find a race near you and subscribe to their Moto America Live Plus package. They've been doing some discount deals throughout the offseason, so stay alert to their social networks. You never know when they might offer their next deal, and you want to take advantage of that. The racing is phenomenal. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, commercialroofsystems.net with nearly 40 years of experience. 
check them out and uh, support Jerry. He supports us. And then Climb Sports. Climb is driven to produce the most the most advanced motorcycle apparel on the planet. Check them out at climb.com, K-L-I-M. And then they're on social media. Tell them, tell them the boys from Tank Slap and sent you at Climb Motorcycle. That's a wrap on this one, boys. Put a bow on it. I am tired. I'm gonna go back, go back to hibernate. Start, uh, start at it tomorrow and get ready for what's next. But yeah, good show, Sammy Carter. I appreciate you guys and appreciate all of our listeners. Subscribe and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. See ya. Oh, that was bad. I can't talk shit. I did it at, at uh, Daytona this year on the pit bike. Really? Yeah, I didn't tell you guys about that. No. I was a... Oh, man. All right, so I had to run across the street. I was taking off the the battery, and um, it's there's not a lot of room. And when I spun the Allen wrench, it hit the, you know, the other side, the post, and it got cherry red hot, and I had to, like try to bang it off real quick and then so i kind of ruined that small allen wrench you know it's like a like like a four millimeter allen wrench super tiny so i was like damn it i can't believe that i'm like that sucks and uh so anyway uh i was like you know what there's the uh there's that home depot right across the street from the speedway and so i was like i'll just take the pit bike and i'm gonna cruise over to the home depot well i did a wheelie on the Zuma going across the street and I looped it <laughs> on the road, on the road, on the street. Oh man. <laughs> on my ass, man. I ripped a hole in my shirt, put a couple scratches on my butt cheek. My shoe fell off. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like I, I laughed all the way from, you know, the time I got to home Depot all the way back to the pits. 